This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Hello, friends. Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I am here with my good friend, John. How are you doing, John? What's your week been like? Hey, Jalen. Uh, my week has been good. Uh, something exciting for me just this past weekend. We, I, I had like a, a worship leaders workshop at church, and we gathered the worship ministries from all three of our um, language-based congregations, and then also our youth ministry, church plant. And it was kind of the first time that in this since moving here that I had a chance to address all of them, share a little bit of my my vision and theology of worship. And uh, yeah, it was it was fun. It was exciting. The turnout was a lot higher than anticipated. So I think that made for some logistical headaches uh, earlier in the week as we we're trying to make sure that everything would run smoothly. But yeah, it was a good time. I really enjoyed that. So it was fun to finally see, you know, more of the worship ministry together. But how about you? How's your week been? Yeah, it's been good. You know, as you were saying that, I think it just it just reminds me of like you know all this time that we've been kind of separated during the pandemic from our church family. Um, it's, it's just so good to be back together. And, you know, like, uh, you know, our church is still, you know, we're, we're still figuring it out and we're, we, we, we are starting, you know, we do have in-person, uh, worship services, but, you know, we're, we're looking for more ways for people to get, you know, face to face with each other, um, physically together. So, uh, it is so good to have that, and I'm glad that you guys got to do that this past week. For for us, uh, a couple weeks ago, we celebrated uh, my daughter's fifth birthday. And so, you know, for us, like food is a big deal, right? You've been to our house quite a few times, and so food is always a big deal. And so, you know, Jenny, my wife, does a great job of making sure that the the the, the birthday child is well-fed and, uh, and then is well-loved, obviously, because they're well-fed. So... You know, so we asked her leading up to her day, what do you want for your breakfast? What do you want for lunch? What do you want for dinner? And so, you know, we said, what, what do you want for your breakfast? And she said, I want uh, muffins. And so they made muffins, I think the day before and they had muffins for breakfast. And she said, okay, what do you want for lunch? And so she said, I want hot dogs and said, okay, great. Like that's typical five-year-old fare. That's pretty standard. And then she said, well, what do you want for dinner then? And she said, I want curry laksa. We're like, oh, this five-year-old wants curry laksa. And we're like, you know, that's a little bit spicy, right? And she's like, yeah. And we're like, uh, and we knew that she loves like shrimp and like seafood and stuff. And so we were going to have that in there. But uh, so, yeah, so we, <laughs> so we had uh, muffins for breakfast, hot dogs for lunch and curry laksa for, for her birthday dinner. And so that was super fun. And uh, it just warmed my heart that my little girl wanted to have uh, curry laksa, which is this like Singaporean Malaysian coconut curry noodle dish. And uh, <laughs> so good. Um, and so that was, that was, that was real, that was, that was real fun. What a feast. What a birthday feast. So, man, I, I can't believe that she's five. 
already. I, I feel like I was watching your three older boys when like the day that she was born and uh, it was fun. That's right. Having them anticipate finally a little sister. So that's right. Very exciting. Well, anyways, uh, you know, we're we're on here today to have another conversation with a new guest. And so I'm really excited to introduce our guest for today, Sandy Kang. Um, Sandy has quite a story about just her journey in ministry and um, full disclosure, I'll just say that she was the children's ministry director at my church uh, until just this summer. Um, but now she's in a, a completely different role. And that's really what we want to hear about um, is how God led her into this new role and, and what she's doing. So Sandy is the staff director and the director of donor engagement at a health clinic called Healing Grove Health Center. And that's here in San Jose. And so uh, Sandy, welcome to the podcast. We're really glad that you're on here with us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Sandy. Uh, as we start, just could you share with us your ministry journey and, and your connection to the Chinese Heritage Church? Sure. So during my college years, I felt a sense of uh, overseas uh, work. And so I switched gears from pursuing a degree or yeah, degree in um, education and majored in social work and then went all the way to Boston, Massachusetts to get seminary training at Gordon-Conwell. Uh, that's where I met my husband. So I often tell people I graduated with a double degree in MRS. Uh, academically, that's master's in religious studies and then also as Mrs. King. Uh, so back then, Ted was already part of a small Korean Alliance church. And so when we got married, uh, with the intent of going overseas, um, we submitted our application to become Alliance International Workers. And part of that process to go overseas with the Alliance um, requires a two-year internship at a local church. And through a mutual friend, um, we got connected to San Jose Christian Alliance Church, uh, mainly because it was Chinese and um, I really had a heart for orphanage ministries overseas. And so back in the early 2000s, um, our church, SJCAC, uh, was actively involved in serving orphans uh, in mainland China. But interestingly, when I was getting married to Ted, we obviously had a call to overseas ministry. And I, I told Ted, I can go anywhere except Russia and China. And little did I know that Ted's Majority of his overseas experience was in Russia with YWAM. Uh, my, my experience has been in the Spanish speaking world. And all of a sudden, after we became a couple, married couple, just a bunch of our friends became Chinese or white people who knew Chinese uh, and served in China. So I think God made it pretty clear that he was directing our path uh, to do overseas work in China. And so that's how we landed at uh, SJCAC. Yeah, but so, you know, obviously you never ended up going overseas because you guys have been serving at this church for, for quite a few years now. Um, so what, what was that like? Like, you know, going from being um, what we would call, you know, international worker candidates to now, um, you know, Ted is our, our lead pastor. You were um, children's ministry director for many years. And, you know, how did, how did that happen? If it honestly, if God asked me right now, uh, I'm going to send you overseas, I would literally pack up my bag and leave. Uh, we've held things very, very loosely uh, over the years. 
Um, every year since March of 2002, the Alliance have asked us, are you ready to go? You've passed every single requirement. We are ready to send you off. Uh, but our senior leaders at that time uh, kept reminding us, you're not ready to go. And so back in 2007, uh, during the economic uh, crisis, a lot of the international workers were called back. And that was kind of the last opportunity we had to go overseas. Uh, but we sensed that uh, it wasn't the right time. And so it's been a, a big struggle. And I think what we've come to understand about our calling is that our calling is primarily unto the Lord, uh, not to a specific people group or a location, but I think God really used this entire process to redefine what calling is, and it's really unto Jesus himself. And so there's a lot of dying to our old dreams and passions, and a lot of our seminary friends asked us, have you lost your calling? Uh, when we were leaving seminary, we were known to be... Um, those missionary couple that would succeed on the mission field. And so there was a lot of dying to our, our pride and our human dreams, but we really believe that uh, we've learned and constantly am learning uh, what it means to really have our calling unto the Lord himself. Yeah, that's such a good word. And I think that's so important to, to hang on to. And, you know, certainly we have so much more to talk about, but, but if we just focus on that right there, I think that's, you know, a whole podcast worth of, of, of thinking and, and you know, uh, a, a whole lifetime of learning to, um, you know, we are called to Jesus. That is, that is the call that we've been given. So thank you for that word. But, you know, uh, as you've been sharing, uh, he has called you now to serve at the Healing Grove. Um, what, is, what is that ministry like? Can you describe a little bit about what the Healing Grove is and, um, you know, some of the things that you do uh, with that ministry? Sure. So Healing Grove Health Center um, literally began um, early around January, February of 2020, right before COVID hit. The mission of Healing Grove uh, is to provide health care, soul care, culture care to bring the healing of the nations to our community. And so it's an explicitly Christian health center. Um, depending on what entrance you come through, one side is completely a health center. It looks like a clinic with a lobby and um, doctors, you know, um, rooms. But if you come through the other side, it looks like a community center or church. And so people ask, is this a clinic health center or is it a church? It's all of the above. Uh, so it's in a, it's a very unique model. And uh, I was invited to be the chair of the board. It's a nonprofit clinic. And so that's how I got involved at the board level. And it's just been an amazing experience because um, the center opened its doors and then COVID hit. So we've been on this crisis response with administering um, COVID tests. And those who've tested positive, we were able to get a lot of grant money from the city, the county um, to provide food and services for a lot of these uh, local, undocumented, mainly Hispanic immigrants. Um, and this neighborhood is literally in the backyard of SJCC, just about a 10 minute drive from our church. And so, yeah, this health clinic is really serving the poor of our city, and they are mostly people without papers. So, you know, just this summer, you were given an invitation to step into a new role, um, not so much as the chair of the 
board of directors, but um, a staff role. So I was wondering, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about what you're doing now. And then, um, you know, how did you make that decision to, to kind of um, set aside some other projects that you've worked on for, you know, for some time, like the children's ministry role. Um, also, I think the preschool that you were, uh, that you were running and then um, now stepping into a, a role specifically or on staff with Healing Grove. Sure. So early this year, um, I really sensed in my that there was going to be transitions happening. Actually, two years ago, I woke up with a dream um, and I just felt like God was saying it's time to let go of a preschool that I started 10 years ago. And um, I've been volunteering as uh, the children's ministry director for about the past seven years. Um, and in my heart, I, I love these two ministries, um, investing into our next generation. But it was about two years ago, I started making plans to uh, prepare the next set of leaders uh, for these two ministries. And, and then the time came early this spring, um, the executive director of Healing Grove asked me to consider stepping down from the board chair and to join the staff. And it was uh, primarily to become the main fundraising person, uh, director of development. I immediately said, no, I hate asking people for money. And this is not my sweet spot or my gifting. And I told him, you're looking at the wrong person. Um, and then a couple of weeks uh, later, he asked me again. And he said, what if I phrase this invitation in a different way, that you would be pastoring donors to move from becoming a one-time donor to the health uh, center to becoming long-term donors uh, who really have the kingdom mindset of generosity and, and serving the poor and the marginalized. And when he presented it that way, I said, I think I'm able to do that. Um, it took a lot of processing with my family. My kids just championed me and said, mommy, you can do this. We support you. We're behind you. But my biggest champion was my husband, Ted. Um, he just kept saying, this is an integration of all your passions from pastoring to networking. He's like, you know, you, do you remember you actually got a bachelor degree in social welfare? Um, and he reminded me again that I decided to take Spanish for fun the past year and a half during COVID since everything went online. And so just, you know, an integration of just who I am, my giftings and my passion. Uh, it was really Ted that said, this is for you. I'm all behind you. Go for it. And so that's what happened. And so when I um, shared of resigning from my two positions, the people that I've been preparing at that moment, they said, we're ready to take on our new role. And so just, I felt like God was behind all this and the transition for me to step into Healing Grove and the transition of the next leaders uh, stepping in was super smooth and just timely in every way. Yeah, I think that's such a, you know, a great story of seeing God at work and preparing you, preparing others around you, having the encouragement to step into that. And you know, I, I can't help but think that for a lot of uh, Chinese churches and ethnic churches, there isn't that outward focus. You know, when you're sharing with us about the ministry that Healing Grove does, you know, I don't imagine that a lot of uh, pastors' wives or pastors from Chinese churches would step into being on the ground with these sort of ministries. Uh, and, and yet at the same time, I think when we look at it, 
And I think Chinese churches and ethnic churches um, have a unique opportunity or are uniquely equipped to engage with marginalized communities. Could you speak to that? Like what, what are some ways or how, how, how do you see Chinese churches or ethnic churches, you know, equipped to engage with marginalized communities? Yeah, I'm often the solo Asian at the center and um, it's been fun, but for the ethnic Chinese churches, we all have an immigration story, whether it's uh, our parents, our, our grandparents, or even generations um, much earlier. Um, there's a family line that we all belong to that has immigrated from into America. And so I think that story of understanding, coming into a foreign place, um, trying to cross you know, walls and barriers of language, culture to succeed. Um, the Chinese churches have this story as part of their narrative. Um, you know, it's a different land that we come from, whether you know, for the Healing Grove community, most of them are from Mexico or Central America, but there's a connection of the immigration story. The second thing I can think of is many of the Chinese churches are established and there's great resources of people and, and money. Um, and so, you know, it may be hard for someone to cross over into a very poor community, um, but there is, uh, there's opportunities to give and to sponsor these low-income people with healthcare, quality healthcare. And I think for whether it's Chinese churches or any churches, we all have the gift to love people with the love of Jesus. And so often we do that well internally um, or as like one time mission trip or food distribution. Um, but really, we all carry this gift of Jesus's love that we can uh, give to anyone. So we are definitely equipped. Chinese churches are equipped to engage. Yeah, you know, Sandy, I know um, that since I've been here, I guess I arrived shortly after Healing Growth started, but I've heard story after story of people that from our church that have engaged with this ministry, have volunteered. Um, so maybe I was wondering if you could just give us a brief summary of what are some of the ways that we've had folks, either from our church or from other churches, um, partner and serve in this ministry. Um, because I think a lot, like, like Jalen was saying, there's probably some churches where they hear stories like this and they have, uh, they may not have a frame of reference for what that can look like. And, and so it would, I think it would be helpful for our listeners to just hear about what are some of like the everyday things that we've done um, together or that Healing Grove has done to, to really serve, you know, these uh, communities in need. Sure. So I can speak specifically from this past COVID year. Um, while the whole world shut down, um, due to COVID, most of us got a very, um, a big amount uh, just deposited into our bank account, the stimulus checks. Uh, the majority of the Healing Girl residents are, don't have status. So they lost their jobs and there was no further government assistance. So they were literally um, more fearful to die of poverty than COVID. Uh, so the government set aside a big chunk of money to provide rental assistance uh, to low-income people. The process to get qualified for that, for an average literate and tech-savvy person, it would take six to eight hours. So the whole system was set up 
so that they would not be able to easily access free government rental assistance. So at the end of last year, 2020, we had a crazy idea of having a three-week mission trip um, and our church SJCAC opened our doors, physical doors, to have about 30 to 40 volunteers from various churches across San Jose. Whether they were Spanish-speaking, English-speaking, or just tech-savvy, um, they all had a part to play to just literally process uh, this rental assistance application because if they were not submitted by December 31st, that government went funding would have been returned and never um, given to actually provide support uh, for our community. And so there's a bunch of our SJCAC folks who have no language or cultural connections, but they were there because they spoke English, they were able to speak to landlords and process these applications. And within three weeks time, we uh, processed close to 300 applications. And just to give you a reference, within like six months prior to this, numerous nonprofit agencies were processing um, these rental assistance applications, and they did not meet that 300 mark. Whereas when believers got together in the three weeks time, we were able to process and, and really relieve 300 family units from being kicked out of their home. Yeah, I love that picture of you know, the church opening its doors, like literally opening its doors and having people in the community connect with people, the, the community of the church and, you know, literally being a help to those people in the community. I think that's such a, a wonderful picture that probably not a lot of Chinese churches or ethnic churches, um, you know, take part in. And, and I think that there are probably, I would hope that there are, you know, churches out there who are listening or pastors out there who are listening who would think that's such a great way for us to show the love of Christ. That is a great way for us to live out our faith. But how can I, how can I get my congregation to do that? Like, how can I help them catch a vision for that? Um, could you share a little bit maybe about how, like, is that, is that already kind of built into the culture of SJCAC or is some of that, has some of that been, you know, uh, you've had to you've had to push that, or uh, Ted's had to push that, or other pastors have had to push that. How how do we get our churches mobilized? How do we get people in our congregations not just seeing the need, but then jumping into meet those needs? I'm very proud of our church. We have a long legacy of um, global and local outreach ministries. Interestingly, the community that Healing Grove is reaching out to is an untapped. Uh, connection with our church. And so during COVID with my involvement and also another pastor's wife um, on our staff, she's a medical director at Healing Grove as well. Uh, I think with our involvement with this new center, we really pushed and challenged and encouraged our church to get involved. And we found creative ways uh, for people from all backgrounds in our church to get involved, whether it was like literally baking banana bread and giving to the community, or uh, we had a book drive, you know, collecting books from our neighbors and our friends. And we literally walked the community and handed out books um, or like a Christmas gifting event. And so it does take one person that would be, would be connected to um, 
a community in need. It could be a nonprofit or a parachurch community organization, but there has to be uh, a connection point. Um, so uh, Dr. Cheryl, the uh, pastor's wife and I, we were kind of the bridge uh, between our church and the community at Healing Grove. Yeah, I think that's so important, like you were saying, is to have, um, have key people who who are able to connect the rest of the church, like yourself and uh, like Cheryl. And I think that that's, um, you, you know, as you were saying before, God equips the church and there's going to be people who have a passion for this, right? There's going to be people whom God has uh, gifted and given a vision to, to serve and to be, um, you know, uh, to be helping out those in need. And so I think, you know, for, for those of us in leadership it is, it's important for us to be able to identify those people who have that gifting, that passion, and then to release them and to support them and then to bring other people into that work and into that mission. So, um, yeah, I, I think just from, just from observing from afar, that, that is so cool to see at your church. And that's something that I think that for, for many of us in our churches, we want, we want to see, and, you know, I want to, I want to definitely encourage, you know, I I would encourage, you know, my church and and any church out there, um, you know, just listen to the, 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 the hearts of the people in in our congregations, right? Because there's going to be people there who want to serve in these ways. So. Yeah, I appreciate that. Does help to have a husband who's a senior pastor. <laughs> <laughs> that has been helpful. Mm, that's true. <laughs> so, you know, I just something I was thinking of, Sandy, as you were sharing about the ministry. And um, I, I know that like, like Healing Grove, it's, it's unique to San Jose, right? This is a local outreach, a local clinic. Um, but I imagine that where there are churches, whether they're Chinese churches or any churches, there's probably similar initiatives, similar places that may not be exactly the same, but, but they can, you know, uh, there are Christians serving the community and there are churches that um, they just have to probably do a little digging to discover what are ways that God is calling them to partner with their, with their local community. So I think for me, like that's been something that I really enjoyed about being at our church is just seeing how uh, how much we're trying to, to learn to engage with, with our, our neighbors, because, um, you know, especially as a, as a Chinese church, oftentimes Chinese churches tend to be, um, commuter churches. We come from a little bit farther away. And so we may not always live in exactly the neighborhood that the church is in. Um, but I love that this is just one of the ways that we're really trying to do that. Um, you know, as we kind of wrap up the podcast, we always really love to ask our guests um, just this last question. So uh, what's just one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that's currently serving in a Chinese heritage church? Yeah, that's that's a big question. Um, I, I think about Revelation 9-9, where it says, um, there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, nation, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. I think as a Korean American, um, you know, Koreans are very ethnocentric. There's a lot of ethnic pride. Um, I see similarities in the Chinese Heritage Church as well. Um, And I'm reminded again and again that my greatest allegiance is to Christ. It is not to my Korean blood or traditions or the Chinese uh, blood or traditions, but our greatest allegiance is to Christ. And I think with that perspective, 
um, you know, we celebrate our ethnic identity, but let's not get stuck there. We limit ourselves when we just kind of herd with our own, but there's such a, a taste of heaven and the expression of the kingdom when we could cross over uh, to people outside of our comfort zone, whether it's ethnicity, culture, social economic status, or even educational um, achievements that when we do a crossing over, there's an expression of God's kingdom. And so I would just encourage those who are in any ethnic churches, but specifically in the Chinese Heritage Church, there's a lot that we can offer, that you can offer to those in your city. In every city, there's the poor and the wealthy. Just look around. They are, there are people that are there to be served. Um, and how beautiful it would be to pursue this kingdom expression here and now. It's a great word. Thank you so much, Sandy, for that encouragement. And also thank you for sitting down with us for a little bit of time and, and uh, answering these questions and giving us some insight into the ministry at Healing Grove. We, do, we definitely do want people to check out the organization. Um, healinggrove.org is the website. And so if you're interested in, in seeing what Sandy's doing and what uh, Healing Grove is all about, definitely go check out the website. But again, Sandy, thank you so much for joining us. And we're looking forward to seeing how this helps our churches engage our local community. Thank you. Thank you both. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.